Hello and welcome to the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Matt Infante, joined as always by PFN Deputy Editor Adam H. Beasley. And Adam, I still can't believe what we saw on Sunday. It was a historic day at Hard Rock Stadium. Dolphins became the fourth team ever to score 70 points and the only team to do it in the Super Bowl era. But you were there. Um, What were you thinking as this was all unfolding in front of your eyes? My God, did the Broncos lie down? (laughs) I mean, that was the first thought in my mind because you don't, you don't give up 70 points if you try, okay? And there's, I mean, we, we'll, we'll get into the X's and O's and how brilliant Mike McDaniel is. And I think Sean McDermott today called him uh, almost revolutionary, what he's doing schematically on offense. So 80% of the, you know, the credit certainly goes to the, uh, the, the roster they assembled and how they're you know, utilizing all those incredibly talented players. Incredible. Amazing. They're going to be one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in the league the entire season. But also have some pride, Denver Broncos. I mean, have some pride. (laughs) Maybe try to tackle. Maybe don't run into each other in coverage and let Tyreek Hill free. I mean... I put on Twitter, if you're, if you're, if if you're going to make a conscious decision to double one dude and not cover the other, the dude you should not, not cover should not be Tyree kill. Okay. Uh, Let chosen, let Robbie chosen run free. Do not let Tyree kill time and time again. They were totally outmatched, totally outclassed. Sean Payton, uh, Mike McDaniel post game. He made a passing reference to uh, we're all about good karma here at the Miami dolphins. And I, it kind of went over my head at the time because so much is going on post game, but in the you know later is like oh he was probably talking about the Saints and 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 the Broncos and and Sean Payton and all the bad karma he's had over the course of a career and most specifically recently when he was taking shots at, at branches of the Shanahan coaching tree so uh, it was incredible it was something that we will never see again literally it's a once in a lifetime event I mean the last time someone scored that many points I think was the 60s is that correct it's been a That's very correct. very long yeah. time. Uh, is the most points scored in Dolphins history by 15, not like, okay, by two, by three, by two full touchdowns was the next closest. Oh, and by the way, they've been playing Dolphins football for 58 years. Uh, 13 uh, team records were either tied or broken that game. Uh, not one, but two running backs had four touchdowns. I mean, just here's the thing. Any one of these things that we're discussing could be an entire podcast, right? We could talk in an entire for, for 45 minutes about Devon A-Chain. We could talk for 45 minutes about Raheem Moster. We could talk for 45 minutes about Tyreek Hill, about Tua Tungabailoa. All those dudes did the same thing in the same game. Like Tua had the quietest 23 of 26 for 306 yards and what was it? How many touchdowns did he have? Four, four? four touchdowns. Yeah, the quietest 300-yard, four-touchdown yeah. game you will ever see. I mean, that's got to be one of the 20 best passing performances in Dolphins history. And we just kind of shrugged our shoulders because so many other incredible things happened at the same time. It was absolutely insane. And I think it bodes well, very poorly, bodes very poorly for the Denver Broncos the rest of the way, but it bodes very well for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it, um, certainly historic, once in a lifetime. I mean, the last time they topped 50 was 1995. Okay, it was a week one game against the Jets. So they hadn't even topped 50 in, was that, you know, almost 30 years. Um, what, now, it wasn't what, the largest margin of victory, by the way. What does that speak more to, though, <laughs> of how bad the Dolphins' offense has been in the last 30 years? We we deserve this as Dolphin fans, okay? And, and as reporters who had to cover it. I mean, going through the Wanstat years, and then you have the, you know, celebrating field goals 
and fail forward fast to Cam Cameron, right? Um, it, it's deserved to, to, to enjoy that, that, that game and, and what we're witnessing, you know, on offense this year, because we've been through a lot as fans and, and people who cover the team as well. It, it's, it's been a while. Um, yeah. And I think it's about time to start not just talking about the Dolphins, how they compare uh, in their own franchise's history, but I think it's about time to start talking about how they compare to any offense that's ever stepped on the field, the national football league. I mean, 70 points, only three, four times ever has that ever been done, including the postseason. three in the regular season four once in, in the postseason. Uh, and I, I do think it was a massive flex by the way, by McDaniel. We can talk about this if you want to kneel it out when he could have broken the record. I mean, I, I think that hurts even more, right? When you know, and they know that you could have done this to them and eh, you're not worth my time. I'm going to kneel it yeah. out. I'm going to take the high road. Were you on team kneel out or were you on team go for no, it? No, I, I wanted the record. At the time, I wanted the record. Um, when you heard McDaniel post game and he said things like it felt like chasing points and the message that it would send isn't in line with how he views things and, and the karma thing, which I didn't put together either at the time, I just thought of it as, well, you know, they have bigger goals in mind than a regular season record. And why play around with the football gods by by kicking these, you know, by taking these three points, it doesn't do anything for you in the ultimate goal of getting to the Super Bowl. So, but in the moment, man, that I wanted, if I was there at the stadium, oh. I would have been, you know, chanting as well to, to, to do it. I wanted it. I get it, though. Let's let's not act like they didn't put their foot down their throats when they were up. What was it? What they they I guess it was fifty six they had at the time, and they, and they were took still a deep throwing, shot. Yeah, throwing go routes to to Robbie Chosen. I mean, granted, it was Mike White, your backup quarterback, and if you can't stop Mike White and Robbie Chosen from scorching you, you deserve the touchdown on your head. So, but let's not let's not act like they took it easy on them. But I mean, a lot of those touchdowns. Hats off. Huge round of applause to the offensive line for what they did, because you go and watch the, you know, the the God's eye view of it and the all 22 and all that. And there are Broncos defenders like it's like a war zone. These guys are just scattered all over the field, like incredible. Uh, that's how good and, and second, third level uh, they the blocking was. You don't have two running backs get four touchdowns in a game, which is – I can't believe those words are out of, coming out of my mouth. But two different running backs had four touchdowns in a game if your offensive line isn't firing at all cylinders. And it was great to have Tron Armstead back. Was that the difference between 36 points and 70? If so, let's go, guys. It's going to be a great season. Um, but, no, no, I, I do think McDaniel took the classy high road. The league knows who Sean Payton is. I mean, let's just take a second, by the way, and 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 live on Earth too for a moment, Matthew. And let's talk about a world in which a retired Tom Brady and Sean Payton past his prime are the two big splashes of the 2022 offseason for the Miami Dolphins, because that was the plan at one point. I, I can't even begin to 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 imagine, you know, um, what it would be like, especially knowing now how it's turned out and, and how it's how it's going. Um, if Stephen Ross had his way, right, that's what it would have been. We would have had Tom Brady here as the quarterback and Sean Payton here as the head coach. And who knows what that looks like? Um, certainly doesn't look like what we just watched and what we've been watching <laughs> these, these last three weeks. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the best first round pick they've ever used, <laughs> right? The first round pick they gave up for tampering. Uh, thank God that failed, man. I mean, because yeah. let's just think of like, 
A, some other team would have hired McDaniel by now. He would have gotten hired. He, the Dolphins were his only interview in 22. He would have had another round of interviews in 23. So he'd be doing this for some other team right now. Um, Tua probably wouldn't even be on the roster. So maybe he's balling out for another team, or maybe his career takes a totally different direction. And you know, people try to use him like Brian Flores did, and it ruins him, and he's never able to, to do it. I mean, there's the butterfly effects of, Failing forward fast, I guess, would be the way to put it. For what the Dolphins did in 2022, it's hard to get your mind around. Yeah. Um, you made you just made Cam Cameron smile somewhere by, by using that. Uh, no, it, it, it's crazy to think how things may have turned out. And I think your point on Tua is very fascinating because he certainly wouldn't have been on the roster probably anymore. Um, but who knows what his career may you know be looking like if Tom Brady came to the Dolphins. Um it certainly, and you know, the joy we're seeing out of Tua now on the field, on the sidelines, right, is something we never saw under Flores. And who knows if he ever finds that that joy with another team or another coach? And maybe he does. But man, he must be so thankful that um, you know Stephen Ross's plans there did not come to fruition. Because what what a difference in him, and just seeing him on the podium after the games too. It's just he's a different person this year than he ever was. Even last year, right? He started to come out of his shell a little bit. But this year, there's just a, a joy of playing that we didn't see, um, you know, for, for a while there for, from Tua. Yeah, Flores almost broke him. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Brian Flores almost broke him. And I, I, and I think it speaks to um, how we don't know really anything about evaluation of quarterbacks and how situation and roster and coaching are such massively important factors hugely important factors. Tom Brady may be the best team sport player in the history of American sports, right? Perhaps. Uh, more titles than Jordan. You know, he is he is the standard for a team sport individual athlete. Oh, and you know what? If he doesn't get drafted by the Patriots and Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, who knows? He was a sixth round pick for a reason, right? He didn't have all the measurables that people were not clamoring to get. You would hope that he'd have a solid career with somebody else, but you don't pair him with arguably, and I know this is going to anger Dolphins fans, probably the best coach in the history of the game. Um, he, he doesn't have the same career. I think Patrick Mahomes is a similar deal. You, t- you, you separate him from Andy Reid. Is he doing what he's done over the course of the last five, six years? Probably not. If he didn't, you know, certainly we're seeing some limitations a bit this year when his, his weapons aren't the same. Um, but it's really, really, really important that you get the right coach and the right quarterback together and you and you foster an environment for success. And the first, I guess, two years of Tua's career, that's where he was in 20, 20, and 21 with, with, with Flo, could not have been worse. Could not have been worse. Uh, year one, you have an offensive coordinator who comes out of retirement and doesn't even want to play him, right? Wanted to play Ryan Fitzpatrick instead. And, and in 2022, they have not one but two offensive coordinators, and none of them are any good. And uh, you could still see there wasn't a great deal of confidence and faith in their quarterback. Um, all it took was one of the brightest minds in our sport uh, taking over, getting hired serendipitously, by the way, as we just discussed, because that's not who their number one choice was. And having the conviction and belief and vision to turn him into – not just a good player. He is a great player right now. 
He is one of the five best players in the National Football League right now. And he's on your team, Miami Dolphins. I, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Like, it's going to, like, there are a handful of stories I've written in my career that are going to haunt me, Matthew. A column that's going to haunt me, I am sure, is after the finale in, in week, I guess that would have been 18, whatever the last game of the 2000, Flo's last game, whatever that was, when it was clear that Tua was overmatched on the road, I think it was a Titans game maybe, and he went, was just absolutely awful. Yeah, they had like a, a shouting match at halftime supposedly. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. And at that point, we didn't know what we didn't know. And we thought Chris Greer was the problem. And we thought Flo was making chicken salad out of chicken bleep, right? And 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 we and I wrote the column, and it's I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but it's the truth. Uh, Stephen Ross surely knows that Tua Tagovailoa will never win a Super Bowl for the Miami Dolphins. They have to move on this offseason. And oh my God, talk about freezing cold takes exposed, dude. I mean that's uh, and it just shows you how little we know. We I was trusting the people that were in charge, right? I was trusting Brian Flores that he was smarter than me and smarter than everybody else who had an opinion about Tua. And, and saw things in him that that told him that he wasn't going to succeed. Trying to take the guy's knees out by going to get Deshaun Watson. Holy mackerel, talking about a butterfly effect there. If that trade would have happened, if, if, if Deshaun Watson would have settled those cases in time, this franchise would be completely different. Completely different. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll eat some crow with that column. And, and, I, and I've, I've been on the record for the last... 12 months now that I was wrong about Tua, but I was wrong because the people I trusted that had more information than me were telling me that I was right. Were telling me wrong things. Yeah, it's incredible. And now here we are, right, three weeks into the season, and you just had a column posted on Pro Football Network uh, comparing the Dolphins this year to the first three games of 2018 Chiefs. And that was the Mahomes MVP season and um i believe first super bowl correct yeah they went for the super bowl and i believe they lost that one correct they lost his first or did they win that one 2018 no. if the, the chiefs have won twice what, what, they no 2018 the, is that when they lost okay well we'll we'll, we'll look this up that might yeah, have been we'll, when they we'll, lost we'll, to the patriots on the offsides in the afc championship game that was that, the was that, was that play? entirely possible regardless i'm talking regardless. regular yeah talking regular season here and um, that was one of the three or four best offenses of all time. And the reason I made that comparison, it's an easy one. They've got, they had that team had Tyree kill. This team has Tyree kill. So it's kind of an apples to apples comparison, young quarterback, you know, really coming into his own with Tyree kill. And that offense was spectacular, Matt. It was so much fun to watch that offense. This offense is a touchdown better than that offense. I mean, that's what's absolutely insane. Okay, here are the stats, Matthew, that the Dolphins are first in the league. You ready? Points, 43.3 per game. 43.3 per game. <laughs> I know it's only three games, but that's mind-blowing. Yards, 550.3 per game. They're number one in both rushing offense and passing offense. 188.3 yards per game rushing, 362 yards per game passing. You know what their yards per play is? Is it in the eights? Right. 8.4. Okay. They almost average a first down every play. Okay. Uh, Their yards per carry is basically what their yards per pass were in the first two years of Tua's career. 6.1. Okay. 
Um, and here's we're, we're going to get dig more into the the advanced stats. Oh, for, real quick, the yards per pass is ten point five. Ten point five yards, not per completion, per attempt. Okay, uh, EPA per play, which I know gets in the weeds a bit, 0.39. Like anything over 0.2 is really really good, right? They're yeah. 0.39. Uh, success rate fifty five point six. Okay, here's their drop back EPA, 0.67. They're <laughs> they are almost they are two thirds of a point better per play than the league average per play, not per drive per play every time they throw the ball and their drop back success rate is 62.4. All right. So how do they compare with uh, that chiefs team? I'm glad you asked. Well, let's first talk about Mahomes, who won the MVP that year, right? That was his first of two MVPs. Uh, <laughs> two or through three games has he's completed 5% better of his completions. Okay. Uh, Mahomes was 66.7 to is 71.3. Uh, Tua has uh, 130 more yards in three games. He averages a half a yard more attempt. Oh, and by the way, all these stats I'm talking through the first three games, the, the, the Chiefs, that was the Chiefs' high watermark. Like their season stats were worse. So it's not like, okay, they got better throughout the course of the year and the Dolphins just had a 70-point explosion. They're going to regress to the mean. Right. This was the high watermark for the Chiefs too, okay? And I can get into the season stats if you will. Uh, Mahomes was playing out of his gourd. 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions. That was better than Tua. Tua is eight and two, but he's hurt because the Dolphins have had eight rushing touchdowns already. Right. Like the Chiefs, that entire season had 16. The Dolphins have eight and three games. Okay, um, and their their EPA per play is almost a tenth higher for for Tua than it was for Mahomes at that time. And Mahomes' no, numbers kind of nosed over a little. Like they were he they were substantially worse. He was 1.3 yards per, per attempt lower throughout the course of the season. His completion percentage was worse. So again, that was as good as it gets. Now let's go to the Dolphins overall compared to the Chiefs. The Chiefs have scored, the Dolphins have scored 12 more points, have eight more first downs, have gained over 400 more yards, and average at five one hundreds a higher EPA per play. Then again, that Chiefs high watermark, which then kind of regressed to the mean. So they are on pace right now to not just break, and, and I think the, the Broncos 606 was the number. They're not just on pace to break uh, the single season uh, scoring record but absolutely obliterated. Like, like they're averaging 43 points per game. They would break the record. Granted, it's a 17-game season versus a 16-game, so it's not exactly apples to apples. But nonetheless, they, 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 they can just 35 points per game average the rest of the game, and they would still break the record. And they're averaging 43 right now. So what they're doing is there aren't superlatives enough to describe what they're doing on offense. And again, you score 70 in a game, that's that's going to skew it. But let's just take a second and, and and talk about week two, okay? Week two, when the Patriots think thought they figured them out, played three deep, deep safeties and made them beat them underneath, the Dolphins still scored 24 points. Yeah. Right? They still scored 24 points in an off game for their offense. As long as two is healthy, as long as Tyreek is healthy, this team is going to average 30-plus a game the rest of the season. Yeah, U.S. last week is 24, perhaps the uh, lowest total they're going to have all year. And it, it could be. I, after what we just saw and how they're able to move the ball, you know, running and, and passing, and you, you take away one thing, they, they've proven now they can beat you the other way, right? And, and it's going to make uh, opposing defenses really, you know, lose sleep in, in trying to defend this team. So th there's no reason to think that every game from here on out is 24 up. Um, and, and yeah, easily that, that record's probably within uh, within reach. 
I also want to talk about the Mahomes uh, Tua comparison because I already saw, and I don't want to get too much into it. It's only three games. People on Twitter saying, oh, the Tua MVP um, debate is going to be a tough one this year because of, you know, all the weapons around them and, 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 and the offense that's built for him. And it just, I don't, every MVP usually has an offense that suits their strengths. And, you know, Mahomes won it with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So why is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, you know, any, any different? Um, to his depth of completion this year. So uh, his completions, not his per attempt, but his average completion travels seven and a half yards through the air. Mahomes is only at 6.4 that year he won the MVP, his first MVP. Um, Mahomes also got more yards. Uh, he got more yak per completion, 6.8. Two is at 6.6. So you could argue that, 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 that the great Mahomes was being bolstered. You know, his stats are being padded by his support. That, that's what happens with MVPs. They, they don't do it all themselves. They benefit from support and an offensive system. And it's really early after three games, but we're already seeing that on social media. And that's only going to probably get worse because for some reason, Tua is as polarizing as he is um, it, for no fault of his own, because he doesn't do anything that is, you know, that should be viewed as polarizing. But for some reason, he is. Um, it, it'll be something that as the season goes on, we're going to keep an eye on because I think if these numbers keep, you know, if he stacks these kinds of games on top of each other, I, I don't he has to be the MVP and he's the betting favorite right now by, by a wide margin. I think it was, uh, I saw a plus 300 recently and then Mahomes was next at plus 550. I mean, that's a pretty big gap after three weeks. Totally. And, and here would be my rejoinder to those absurd haters. Um, 70 points, four passing touchdowns, 23 of 26 or 300 yards, by the way, in three quarters, he didn't not play the fourth quarter. And he put up those stats without Jalen Waddle. Okay, he did that without one of the 15 best wide receivers in the league on the field. And again, the Broncos laid down, totally get it. But I think at some point, people need to get over themselves, right? People need to get over their priors. And I did last year. I absolutely never thought we would see this at a Tua. I was wrong. Is that hard to admit? Maybe it was at first. But at this point, it'd be absurd for me not to acknowledge that right? Get over it. If a dude is doing what he's doing and he is, I mean, you look not just touchdowns and reception, but the advanced stats, he is not just by far number one in the field. He is lapping the field. Like he is so, you see those X, Y axis charts. He's off the chart. Like he is literally off the chart. If he doesn't win MVP this year and he continues doing what he's doing, um, the, the, the award is meaningless. The award is absolutely meaningless because he is the most valuable player in football right now. And the, the Dolphins would not be nearly, nearly as good as they are if Mike White had taken every snap so far this season. Of course, Mike White, you know, was what, two for two for 60-something yards and a touchdown. But I digress. Yeah. Um, Talk no, about certainly. small sample sizes. Yeah, 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 no, certainly. No, I'm just, hey, I'm just playing it out in my head what the – what people are going to say, right, on social media. Well, we saw Mike White step in in that blowout, and he he looked good too. Yeah, in his you know two throws. Um, no, certainly, and it's it's only three games. You know, still fourteen left. He's got to stay healthy, and they got to keep this pace up or something close to it. But it, it will be a conversation that as we move forward, um, you know, will be worth having. Um, when it becomes clear that you just can't deny it that that he is the MVP. Um, but you know, before so. The Bills are going to be a good litmus test for them. Before we move forward to that, though, a couple of things 
I want well one thing I wanted to, to note. Uh that was probably the best half of football I've ever seen from a Dolphins offense in my lifetime. Um, when you look at 16 for 16 was two over 206 yards. The running game had 138 yards. They had four touchdown drives of 75 plus yards. I mean, these are kind of, you know, uh, um, things, you know, video game, right? Madden stats right there is what that is. I think it's beyond Madden. I think it's fantasy land. Like, I, like you, you just, you don't see what they're doing. Yeah, but now the flip side I wanted to, before moving to the Bills, is on defense. And oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we get to defense, okay. I, there was the one thing I wanted to bring up. And that was how effing boring it was to watch Monday Night Football. And it was painful. And it was plotting. And it was ugly. And it was everything the Miami Dolphins are not. And I was watching that. And not just one TV, but two TVs were telling the same story because Joe Burrow, God bless him. He's gotten it out. That guy should not be playing right now. Right. Uh, so with Burrow on one leg, that Bengals offense is limited. Um, we know the Buccaneers offense is limited. You know, there's, there, there was some bad football we saw Monday night and I put a Twitter, a, a tweet out on Twitter and it was like, you know, the Miami Dolphins have ruined football for America. They have, because now we see you know, bomb after bomb after bomb and motion and quickness and all these quick throws and touchdowns and scoreboards exploding. How can you go back to that? It's like pure, pure cocaine and going to Diet Coke afterwards, okay? I mean, it's just completely, it's a totally different sport. It's a completely different sport. And I wonder, and let me ask you this, Matt, it's not going to happen this year, but as at some point, does the league catch up to the Dolphins Certainly not on defense, because there's there's no way on defense you can catch up to that, unless you are you have three all world defenders that just go up the gut and blow up plays before he even gets back into his do his drop. Um, but do they start catching up to him and saying, "Hey, look, this is the future." What Mike McDaniel is doing, and Kyle Shanahan laid the, laid the foundation. Let's not act like the, the the Niners are a boring watch either. They're a thrilling watch. The Lions can get up and down too. Like they're. There are a handful of teams that are a whole lot of fun to watch, but I would say about 70 to 75% of the teams are stuck in the stone age right now. And does that gap close? What do teams do? Because what, what Mike is doing, and I'm not going to say they're going to run the table. That's crazy. They're going to have bad games. They're going to probably finish. I would say 13 and four is probably a reasonable expectation at this point, maybe 14 and three. They're they're going to, they're going to have that. Right. It's it not crazy to hear those words come out after, you know, the preseason. And we were sitting here talking about, well, the offense looked like it struggled a little bit here. And, you know, in August. Uh, well, that just tells you don't don't believe your eyes in training camp. OK, yeah. um, but there is going to be a reaction. And uh, I wonder I'm, I'm curious. Those games last night. How how is how are ratings like are, are fans still engaged? when they know what the potential of what they could be watching would be like, you're going to get the giants and the, and the bears on national television, a bunch still this season because they play in massive markets. I think what the dolphins are doing a is conditioning fans to want more, to expect more out of their product. And B they're scaring the living bejesus out of defensive coordinators and GMs around the league, figuring out, okay, if, what the Dolphins are doing certainly is 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 a black swan, right? You can't replicate Mike McDaniel, Tua with his timing, 
and Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill in the same field. But you can try. You can you can go a lot closer to that than what we saw last night in that Bengals game, right? I mean, there's 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 a happy medium somewhere in the middle, and I I really do think they are they are changing the game, and we're going to see teams know that to keep up in this arms race, you cannot be playing even 2019 football anymore. Yeah, and, and I think this is what it must feel like to have been a Broncos fan, right? The Peyton Manning, uh, the, even the Chiefs recently, the, the 07 Patriots. When you watch all the other games and and you're so in tune with watching, you know, the team that you root for, then you're trying to watch the other things. It, it does. You're like, well, is this the same sport I'm watching, right? And, and it's a new phenomenon for Dolphin fans because what we watched on Monday Night Football this week, those two games, it's kind of like watching the Dolphins in, you know, the last two decades before, you know, Tua and McDaniel got together. Um, It's a phenomenon that every fan base of these great offenses, I I think of, you know, the Rams in the late 90s, early 2000s, probably go through as well. Um, I think the league, it is a copycat league. Eventually, other offenses are going to try to pick, you know, pick apart this. And you wonder if the Dolphins coaching staff becomes, you know, something that gets picked apart in the offseason. Yeah. is Frank Smith going to leave? Is Daryl Bevel going to leave? Um, because teams are going to want to try to replicate this as, as much as they possibly can within the confines of their roster, which, like you said, very hard to kind of, you know, um, duplicate what they're doing as far as all the skill set and speed they have on the offense. Uh, but but certainly uh, th- th- this has to be something that other teams are looking at and taking notice of. And we'll, we'll see moving forward, you know, in the future years if everyone else tries to replicate it. That Kyle Shanahan tree, man, let me tell you, that, that that is very impressive. Or should we call it the Mike Shanahan tree, right? Which I think McDaniel has said before in the past because uh, it was really Kyle's dad who laid the foundation for a lot of this offense. But well, then it's, the it's, Kyle it's, and the group has just kind of evolved. Yeah, it. it's wild, though, because two branches of that tree we saw on Monday Night Football last night in the same game, the Rams and the Bengals. And they look nothing like the Dolphins. So you can't just be like, okay, you're part of the tree. All these smart things that Kyle Shanahan taught you, apply them. No, the game evolves. Like the Dolphins offense is different now than it was in 2022. Like it is, it is more complex. It is, they, 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 the changes they made are brilliant. I mean, Saban Ahmed called, uh, I hate this word in football, but it's the truth. He called Mike McDaniel a genius because he was able to take you know, teams start to figure it out a little bit and completely blow the top off that. Allow your wide receivers to get a running head start to the line of scrimmage like, what was it, like arena football almost. Yeah. What they're, what they're doing, there's some principles of arena football in what they're doing here. And um, you can't stop that. What do you, like, what do you, the only way you can stop that if you're a defense is, is to be disruptive in the trenches up the middle. To, to make two uncomfortable, to mug the receivers long enough the line of scrimmage that your that your all world Aaron Donald type defender can 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 get penetration at the pocket. If you're not doing that, good luck, man. Good luck. Yeah, and and I think what we're going to see now coming up on Sunday in Buffalo is a great litmus test because of how good the Bills are defensively. Before we even get into their offense and and what Josh Allen has done to the Dolphins in the past. The, the the Dolphins are, are first of all they're one and eleven in the last twelve in Buffalo so just not a good place seven straight losses there um, I know it's a different team different year we've said that in the past and things always tend to fall apart a little bit in Buffalo 
But the Bills' defense this year, right? So now we're going to get a test of a great defense. They're second in points per game allowed, second in yards per game allowed, second in EPA per play allowed, uh, third in pass yards per game allowed. This is a very, very good defense, probably one of the best they'll face all season. If the Bills' defense can't slow this offense down, that I mean, that is a sign that, you know, th- this is something special here in Miami. Um, yeah, 100% correct. This is uh, the Bills are the 500-pound gorilla, right? I, we got uh, some access with Dolphins yesterday and some players and talked to Christian Wilkins about it, Emmanuel Agba. They have been on the wrong side of a lot of bad games in that stadium. Um, that's their big brother, man. That that team has been – it's no longer the Patriots. The Patriots for 15 years were what the Bills are now, except – the Patriots actually got it done once or twice and seven times and won Super Bowls or six times and won Super Bowls. The Bills, for whatever reason, can't get over that hump. Uh, but regardless, at least to, to 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 do the things that Dolphins need to win a Super Bowl, which is win the division, get home playoff games, um, they got to win. Like this is if if they win on this is crazy to say if they win on Sunday and um, Tua stays healthy the rest of the season, they're going to probably be the one seed. Like I. The rest of the way their schedule plays out, they only have four or five really challenging games left the rest of the season. Uh, I'm not going to be worried about the Denver Broncos of the world anymore after what they went out and did. Okay. Like I, like in past lives, I would be like, ah, oh, trap game, all that yep. trap game, my foot, man. Tyreek wants 2000. Okay. Tua wants the MVP. They want to be playing. I mean, I talk, I think I talked about this last week. Hard Rock Stadium is maybe the best home field advantage in football. It's not because the, the stands are packed, which they weren't, by the way, Matthew. There were a lot of empty seats in that stadium, which tells me that speculators took a bath. They wanted to you know, flip the tickets, and they couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard to play in that stadium. And they need, they need the head-to-head with the Bills. They beat the Bills on Sunday. They're up two games in the division over everybody with tiebreakers over the two teams that you're scared of the, the Patriots and, and the bills. You're not afraid of the jets because unless they trade for Kirk cousins, that team is not going anywhere. Okay. Um, so you would have a hand, two games up on both those teams with the tiebreaker. You're going to win the division unless you completely collapse, right? Completely collapse because the bills still have a more challenging remaining schedule than the dolphins do. The Patriots. I think there's some severe limitations there. Their defense is going to keep them in every game. But this is it, right? This is, you could not have a bigger week four game than what the Dolphins have in front of them. Um, And I like their chances, man. I I, I like their chances. I think, you know, there's some questions on defense. We didn't really have a chance to talk about that. Jalen Phillips being banged up again is not a great thing going into Buffalo, certainly. Um, But, uh, you know, they have, the Dolphins are never out of a game. They could be down 17 points to the Bills in the first quarter, and I'd still think they have a chance to win with that offense. And and if they get it done, they're the best team in the AFC, and they're probably the best team in the National Football League. Yeah, and and the defense for Miami has been, you know, um, I think it's kind of gone quiet that it's it, – it, there's a concern there. They, they are 17th in defensive EPA. Which I know again, it, you know, analytics nerds you know, like me care about. Others might not. Um, I, I think there's an interesting stat called success rate that people may or may not know. Um, it's, Expl- you know explain what that is. Okay, so if you allow 40% of the yards to go on first down, well, take it from the offensive perspective. If you gain 40% of the yards to go on first down, it's successful. 
60% of the yards to go on second down and then 100% on third and fourth down. So you get the third or fourth down. The Dolphins are dead last on defense in that, which is a concern. Now, what we saw against the Broncos in the second half, I mean, that game was over, so I don't care about that. But in the first half, they let a Broncos offense that isn't that good have three 62-plus yard drives. That, that That's a little concerning. Uh, there are receivers running open. Um, we did see Eli Apple move to the bench, as we suspected we might on the podcast last week. Um, and we saw Cater Kohu, right, stay outside. And you had Justin Bethel and, and Perry Nickerson come in uh, as the nickelback. And, and Kohu did not cover the slot for the most part. He was an outside cornerback. Um, Josh Allen, historically, owns the Dolphins. He averages 200 and almost 270 yards a game through the air, another 50-something on the ground. He has 31 touchdowns total in 10 games against them. Um, and he's only lost twice in 10 games. It's a concern. It's a concern. You're going to go up to Buffalo, right? And, and this is just now the Dolphin fan of me coming out. You always have these high expectations that get built up. And then a team like Buffalo is going to come in and kind of, you know, bring you back to reality, right? That That's what we've been trained to do as Dolphin fans. Um, I also want to point out no uh, nobody wastes 3-0 and starts quite like the Dolphins. Um, they were 3-0 last year, too, and then they went 1-3 and in the four games after. Since 1995, they've gone 3-0 seven times. In the four games immediately following those 3-0 and starts, they're 8-20. and Okay, they, they know how to waste 3-0 and starts. Um, so, again, this might be a different Dolphins team. Maybe this is a chance for people like me who are, you know, damaged Dolphins fans to see if this team is different, right? Because if you go into Buffalo – and you're a two-and-a-half, three-point underdog, which, you know, you're on the road, that's expected, you're about an even match, um, and, and you win that game, then you're starting to think, wow, you know, th- th- this is real, right? This is real, and and this could be something special this year. So it, it's a litmus test. By the way, we have – you're in charge of our numbers at Pro Football Network. How have you not had the Dolphin stats of the week by Matt Infante? I mean, you were just – Send me those after the send me after that after the broadcast because I want to use them in the story I'm going to write today. Oh sure, I, I I'm glad to pitch in. No, you know it's just these are just things that I I think of. Um, and, and a lot of them are funny because a lot of them are negative because that's how <laughs> I've been trained in 30 years of being a Dolphin fan is to how, expect how, how old are you how old are you Infante? I am 37. Okay, that's a that's a that's a tough t- time to be born as a Dolphins fan. Mm-hmm. And you're not even from mm-hmm. South Florida. How- it, it, you know, um, well, we'll get into that in our time. I think it was the colors of the team that that, that made me a fan. Um, and they're on TV a lot here in New York because they would play the Jets twice plus Monday night games and all that. So, And they were just fun to watch from what I understand, too. I like, you know, throwing it around all the time because Marina was awesome. And, and, and yeah, but I've been trained to expect the worst over my lifetime now. So we will uh, we'll see what, what this this week brings. CBS is sending the number one team. I don't know if you saw that yet to the broadcast. I did. Um, so it's going to be a Romo and Nance game. It should be a Sunday night game. You wish flex scheduling was already, you know, in week four and not week five, because you're going to get Chiefs Jets on Sunday night, as opposed to um, Dolphins Bills at uh, one o'clock on Sunday. Um, the weather is in the Dolphins' favor. It's going to be in the 60s. This is a chance to show everyone that they are what, you know, um, the record shows they are so far, right? This is the test. We will see. Yep. What's your pick? God. Um, I, I think the Dolphins lose. 
I, I, I would, um, I mean, I probably wouldn't bet it because I think two and a half, you know, I think three is about right. Um, but yeah, I, I think a, a field goal loss in Buffalo is probably what happens in a high scoring game. It won't be the offense. I think the offense gets it done. I'm more concerned about what's going to happen when Josh Allen has the ball. Yeah. Uh, you're probably right. Um, but I just think they're on a heater, man. I think the, the way that they're playing right now, they have in the zone, whatever you want to call it, they have supreme confidence, supreme confidence. And um, I think this is a team sometimes some years it's just your year. And I think it's, I think it's the Dolphins year to do something really special. Um, and they're not going to be able to do that if, you know, they have to play three road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I think they're going to win the division. To win the division, you need to beat the Bills. So I think they're going to beat the Bills. Not There's nothing scientific behind it. I just – I think they're – I think right now they're playing like no other team in the National Football League, and they're going to get it done. Okay. Well, um, you can get all of Adam's coverage of the Dolphins leading up to the game this week on profootballnetwork.com slash Miami hyphen Dolphins. Um, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, what are you doing? Come on. Just, just, just subscribe. You're here. You're listening. You've made it this far in. Subscribe. If you're watching on, on YouTube, be sure to subscribe it, to it on YouTube and like it. And we will see you back here next week for either a celebration of, of Miami Dolphins being 4-0 or the, you know, what went wrong are the Dolphins frauds talk. If they Ooh. lose to Buffalo, well, that sounds like a headline of a Pro Football Network story, I'm, including the podcast. I, I'm, just, it. I'm rubbing my my pessimistic Dolphins crystal ball, and, and that's what it shows. So we will. You're see. not going to have to worry about it because the Dolphins are winning on Sunday, baby. All right, thank you, Adam. We will see you next time on the Pro Football Network Miami Dolphins podcast. <laughs>